Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. Thanks for popping in. Thanks for hanging out. Um, how you guys doing tonight? Hope you're doing great. Got uh, an off day for the White Sox after uh, taking three of four in Oakland, which was absolutely bizarre. Um, haven't seen that in a long time. Not, I can't remember the last time that happened. And the amount of runs they scored has never happened. So there's that. Um, how you doing, Xavier? You know, I'm doing pretty well. And, you know, I talked about previously, um, my morale was low as, uh, and it matched up to yours and Danny's, but I, I don't know if you switched, maybe not, but I'm back to being, um, positive and excited. You know, I won't say that I am fully ready yet to, uh, embrace it, um, uh, but I will say I am I'm optimistic, you know, and, which is something that I haven't said in a really long time. I'm shocked. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, I mean, uh you know, since we since we streamed last, uh Miguel Cairo took a well, I think maybe he might have been there for maybe no, I don't think so. I think that that whole thing happened like the day after we streamed last and we took Labor Day yeah. off. And the last couple of weeks has been like a night and day difference. Um, I guess we should start there because um, we haven't really talked about that yet. And I don't want to get too far into it because it's been two weeks. And I know a bunch of other people have talked about this, uh, you know, beat it to death per se. Um, So TLR in pregame for a game just up and walks out and uh you know there's uh issues with something nobody knows he just disappears players are finding out about it uh via social media didn't even hear anything from the team at all uh and tony just up and disappears and we come to find out afterwards uh that actually pretty well afterwards is that there was a problem with his pacemaker that he had installed in spring training, um, which was kind of kept under wraps a little bit as well. Uh, And he had some sort of issues with it. And so they flew him down to Arizona to go and get his testing done on his pacemaker. And apparently they tweaked something and um, per reports yesterday, uh, when he was at the game in Oakland, the Dave Stewart jersey retirement um, game, that uh, things look to be on the up and up as far as that goes. Uh, and he has been cle- he was cleared to go to Oakland, but not cleared to resume duties as manager, much to the relief of many a White Sox fan. Um, you got anything to say on on that whole situation at all? Yeah, it was very abrupt, and just it felt weird because it was such a weird timing considering what had just happened in those previous games, and it's been quite the whirlwind uh, these last two weeks. And it's hard, you know, a lot's on the players of what took place this season, but you can't give full blame to the players. you got to give some to TLR, and I know some people don't want to. And, but it says something like Liam Hendricks didn't go out and say it. 
uh, naming names, but that comment about the vibe, you, you, you kind of think that, you know, the players never want to diss their manager, and you very rarely say, hear them say names, but there's a little something behind that comment. At least I think so. A hundred percent. I, I, you know, I don't, I know that they don't want to throw him under the bus, uh, but the comments that he made about being a uh, stoic, you know, old-timey baseball player was definitely telling. You know, I, I think that the uh, unwritten rules police um, definitely is strong in Tony Larusa, and I think that that generally would kind of um, – John Rudels, what are you doing? Um, I think that would definitely describe everybody's kind of general thought when they would talk about the entire TLR experience, is that it's uh, old-time baseball, you know, which to a point like I, I understand and I, I understand why he would want to, you know, to, you know, try and bring back. And he said he was going to, when he first came in, he said he was going to bring back the, um, you know, I guess old time baseball and, and the correct way to play baseball. So, I mean, that's pretty much where we've ended up. Yeah, they lost that one game in Seattle, but I just—I still kind of—I joke about. It. I still kind of find it funny that the one game that they lose in Oakland was the game he shows up for, and and bad. Like that, it was like seven runs or something, and the other game in Seattle was close, but he shows up and they lose in ugly fashion again. You know, I—I I was sitting there saying that to myself. I was, you know, I was thinking about it beforehand. You know, I was like, well, you know he's going to show up at this game and then things are just going to go back to normal. And lo and behold, and I mean, you know, nothing, you know, to do with him, you know, with TLR per se. Um, but you know, Larry ends up back in the starting lineup, uh, just because, uh, Josh Harrison got the flu or something like that. And so, you know, the day that TLR comes back, Larry ends up in the starting you know, in the starting lineup, and Lairi in normal Lairi fashion makes a critical error that ends up costing a couple of runs on a drop foul ball, and you know, it's just like <laughs> it was. It was one of those things where everybody was like, "Yeah, figures." And I, you know, you see people on Twitter, you know, um, you know, that were. Uh, you know, saying that it was TLR's fault that that the whole thing happened, which you know, of course, is is kind is kind of silly. You know, um, yeah, it's silly, but I just think it's of course that's the the day that they forget everything. Yep, defense goes back to being bad, and uh, the offense doesn't do a whole lot. And yeah, you know, there's uh, uh, some. Someone on Twitter, one of those stat guys on Twitter today, talked about players with 300 plate appearances. And there's 242 players with that this year. Two of the worst two in total bases is Larry Garcia and Yasmani Grandal. 
and they have 74 and 80 total bases. And the the next best, like the next worst best, that's correct, is 90. So that just shows you how much worse they're they are. Yeah, it's you know I and, and like the thing you know I will give uh, Yasmani Grandal I'll, I'll at least give him the benefit of the doubt that he has been basically operating on one leg the entire season, despite the fact that he had the surgery. It just seems like nothing ever seems like nothing ever got back to normal with him. And that's uh, it. We talked last. Sorry to cut you off. We talked last time. You know, obviously I was more pessimistic about the team, and I was leaning towards just shutting these guys down, kind of a thing. Like even now, maybe even just let them let them sit this out because you got got plenty of guys that have been able to fill in pretty nicely and work around them. uh, Where it it doesn't necessarily hurt to just let them sit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I yeah I agree. Uh, you know. Uh, you know. Because even 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 in that we're playing well, I don't know how far of a statement we can even make. So it's like let's ride this out, but truly let's gotta think about what's best for the coming years, especially since these guys are kind of locked in contract wise. Yeah. Um. You know, the the whole it just it just seems like one hundred percent that the whole vibe of the team has just has just like done a one eighty, you know, and that they are just headed in the opposite direction as to where they were before. And you know, I, I did like a a bunch of number crunching earlier today and just looking at the numbers, and I mean, the weird the weird thing that that I see is that. A lot of the numbers, other than the actual results, not a whole lot's changed. If you look at their, uh, I will say that in the last two weeks, their hard hit percentage um, has gone up about 3%. And uh, their line drive, I'm trying to remember exactly what it is, Um which one is it? It's their uh, yeah. So their their hard hit rate is up like three percent, and um, their you know mid range contact is down, but the soft is r- about one percent higher now. But they're hitting the ball harder, but not really a whole lot has changed as far as like the. Uh, you know whether they're pulling the ball or whether they're hitting it opposite field or whether they're hitting it to the middle of the field. None of that stuff has changed. And you know the the fly ball ground ball rate, like not a whole lot of it has really changed all that much. They're they're only down one percent on their ground ball rate in the last two weeks. Yet we just have this massive difference in the results. You know, which is, I, it's just, it's very strange. You know, I don't, it's, it's one of those things where you, you can't explain what's going on with the results other than that the results are happening and it doesn't seem to be any one thing in particular that they're doing other than that home runs are going out. I, I thought about that a little bit when we had the two games this week where they hit 20, they had 20 plus hits 
you had the one game where half the hits are extra base hits, and then you have the next that up the Saturday game where just two were um, for extra base hits, and it just kind of shows you like the the weird luck of baseball sometimes. They've been hitting singles all year, and it's done them very little. And then here you're putting up ten runs on eighteen singles. And it just worked, but that wasn't the case for m- most of the year. Yeah, I, I mean, the only thing I can say is obviously there's been a, a a surge out of Aloy Jimenez in the last you know say month and a half or so, and uh, that has obviously translated to more runs being scored, and the fact that his. Uh, you know, his WRC plus since August 1st is 191. Um, you know, he's just out of his mind. So that, you know, is, is that, that's about the only thing I can say is that he's back and he's healthy and he's a hundred percent, you know, the reason why the team is doing so much better because before when he was injured, they didn't have that guy that was going to come in and bop. You know, I mean, occasionally, you know, Gavin Sheets would do something. Uh, there were a couple of, you know, a couple of guys would get, you know, pseudo hot here every once in a while. Yeah, and that Sheets early to mid-August, and then Pollock followed up and got hot for a little bit. And then Andrews has been pretty solid since coming back, joining the Sox. But Eloy's kind of been, the, the consistency over that period kind of picked up. He'd have games where he was cold, but... He's been hitting the ball pretty well during overlapping a lot of that. Yeah. And I mean, add on to that also that Romy Gonzalez is healthy and Romy Gonzalez has been, you know, doing some work as well, which has been fantastic to see after his beginning to the year. I mean, I felt terrible for the guy, just one thing after another, you know, I mean, for the fact that he got shipped down to AAA in the first place when he shouldn't have been there. And, yeah. So uh, what we saw last, last season out of him, you you expected him to be a, kind of a mainstay of, in some sort. And then with, obviously, extending Garcia, that brought in the question of what's what's Romy's outlook going to be like. Yeah, well, I mean, then and then Larry's performance makes you go, well, what you know, what would you say that you actually do here at Inatech? That's, you know? that's been my thing. I forget who Boston... DFA'd. But I ha- I put out a tweet that was like, here's the guy that Boston got rid of, and then here's Lurie, and they're about the same or wor- Lurie's about or worse in some of the categories. And you're like, at the time, Boston was in a different... They were playing much better and looking like a playoff team. But you're like, why is this playoff-looking franchise getting rid of a guy like that and the White Sox are extend not just have extended a guy this bad, but playing him as much as they are. Yeah, I haven't looked lately. Um, I'm kind of curious. I mean, like the the lucky thing is that uh, since um, Tony hasn't been around, his at bats have significantly decreased, and he's been mostly used as a late inning uh, pinch runner or defensive replacement. Uh, in the outfield and, um, you know, over Andrew Vaughn or Gavin Sheets in the outfield, 
I'd have to say he's a slight upgrade over them defensively, but I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's night and day difference as far as, uh, as far as defensive upgrade, but I mean, I would say he is a, a minimal, uh, outfield defensive up replacement for those guys. Um, but it seems like he's being used correctly. You know, uh, that, uh, game where he was put into pinch run for Aloy, you know, that was, uh, good use of his talents. He stole second base and then got to third on a bad throw. It's, you know, there, there are certain situations where Leuri does seem to do really well. And that is it as a replacement, uh, late in the game or a fill in every once in a while. And just like him getting inserted into the lineup every day has just been, you know, obviously it's worn on him and, you know, he, I assume he's probably pushing a little bit because he's like, well, I'm starting, so I gotta, I gotta show that I'm a big boy, you know. So he he's probably pushing a little bit harder to get things done and just not working out. And uh, then everybody starts getting on his case, and I'm sure that he probably sees that, you know, on social media, which you know, is what it is. What's up, Grim Tall? How you doing? Yes, um, yeah. So. Um, are you of the opinion that TLR's done, or do you think he's coming back? That's the thing. I want to say, I would. I want to say he's done, but I feel like they could easily snake him in at some point. Maybe even if it, the worst case scenario is they go through this whole last twenty-one games with Miguel Cairo. And then uh, it's going to be about three weeks later. He's feeling a little bit better, and he gets cleared. And then, and then what? You're going to toss him right there at the start of the playoffs? That would be probably the worst thing they could do. But I that could very likely be possible. I I don't know. Yeah, that would, you you wonder how serious he of health he's in right now? Because obviously he got cleared enough to show up on Sunday. What what's to say three weeks from now, he's in. Obviously, he's eighty years old. You, how good is your health, and uh, what, with what he's been through? Uh, but still, I think three weeks could change quite a bit if he's already being led into uh, partaking the ceremony like that. Yeah, I you know like my thinking on the whole thing is that, you know. You know, I was listening to uh, the Sox talk, the uh, the Chuck and uh, the Chuck and Ryan McGuffey show that just came out this morning, and uh, they mentioned one thing that I heard in the interview, and uh, McGuffey seemed to take it the same way I did, is that TLR said that he was regaining strength, and to to which I think, okay, so if you're regaining strength. To me, that seems like that should be like some sort of a cue to you. Hey, I should ease off and back this thing up a little bit and maybe not continue to push so hard to uh, to get back. And when you see the results of what's been happening since you've been gone, can you come back and feel good about it 
you know, this is terrible that it always comes up in my mind. But if he cared enough for others, I always go back to his DUIs. I don't think he has enough care for other people. So why would he care in this situation? He, he's a baseball guy. He He's going to suck every ounce of it out. Yeah, so I had a thought, and I was thinking, you know, um, clearly his ego has to be paying some sort of a uh, – uh, ooh, sorry. Uh, uh, his ego has to be, he's got to be dying right now. You know? Yeah, seeing two different sides of this team. Yeah, w- what you have staked your entire life on is that you are a baseball guy and that, you know, you're very good at it and you're in the Hall of Fame and whatever. And so you think that you're really good. So then you leave and the team completely turns around and it doesn't seem like, you know, I'm sure he sees these comments, you know, made by Liam Hendricks and uh, Elvis Andrus. I'm sure he's read these quotes and been like, that sounds like they don't want me back. And I have to sit here and think that either a, he would get aggravated about it and want to get back or B he would think, well, look, they're finally they're finally coming around. They're playing for me, and they're doing really well. Now, if I come back, it'll be you know they'll they'll make movies about it, and uh, you know imagine what I, a Hall of Famer baseball person, could do with a lineup that is doing these particular things. The other, uh, what was I about to say? Uh, no, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I have to imagine that this is eating him up. You know, I yeah. mean, hey, he doesn't, he doesn't ever want to miss a game in general. But mm-hmm. the fact that they're doing so well without him there, that's got to be killing him. Yeah, he, he, he feels like left out when all your friends are. Friends are out having fun. You're stuck home sick for the day. That's definitely gotta suck. But another thing that happened this week was that um, Paul Sullivan article. I swear that guy knows exactly what to say to target the right people at the worst time. Because it's like he said that, obviously, that um, from what I understand, that we should want him back because he deserves that. Uh, TLR deserves that. But I'm like, ah, no one deserves, he definitely does not deserve to be coming back just because of him on his Hall of Fame career. Uh, you know? Yeah, that, Paul Sullivan in general just knows how to say really, really dumb things that just and, aggravate and then, everybody. Yeah, and like that's fair, you know, you want to get your clicks and your reads, just like he's he's a guy working for one of the biggest papers in the world. And here he's you write stuff that's your like blog talk, you know, the to get people triggered to want to take a look at what he says. But the thing that's weak about him is he doesn't uh he doesn't take not even like 
it's one thing to take jabs at him personally, but not even critiques of his commentary. I feel like as a, a writer, you should be open to a little more dialogue. You put yourself out there. You should be able to listen and hear what the readers have to say because you can't expect people to read your work and not hear what they have to say afterwards. Yeah, I you know, and the thing is, I know that uh, he's got you blocked, right, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, he does have me blocked. It's it is funny. Uh, uh, I I don't know if I haven't brought it up, but one time I was covering a DePaul game and I saw him uh, sitting right behind me, right right near me, and <laughs> I was so close. I I it would felt it would have been weird, but I just had the it, it popped up in my head. I'm like, wait, is that Paul Sullivan? I kind of want to ask him if he can unblock me or why did he block me, even though he does not know who I am. I just want to see if he has, like, a response to why he blocks people so quick. <laughs> and and I just remember it was, like, the most basic response to a post, too. It's like, why would you block me up off of that? Oh, Paul. Yeah, I... Ugh. And that's why I also... I wish he could just do... He was always just the Cubs guy, and now he's doing double duty with. Uh, I I don't even know who does the Tribune Sox stuff. I think Lamont Pope or something. Yeah, but they, yeah. he does. He's been covering the Sox a lot lately, the last couple of years, with the way the writers' room over there at the Tribune's been going. Yeah, it seems like. Um, yeah, definitely seems like. You know, he has kind of been poking his head in a little bit more as of late. Um, Grimtall says, who blocks Xavier? That's a good question. I know. It. That, uh, We're missing out. You were just getting so angry, probably, you know, and he's just like, wow, this guy is just too fired up. I got to I gotta block him. I can't take the can't take the heat. This guy's such a troll. Why is he commenting? <laughs> yeah. Um, I... I never even, I'll be honest, I never even read the article. I saw the headline, and I was just like, nope, not even going to look at it. I saw the headline, and then I, I didn't click it, but um, you know how people always, like, screenshot. Like, most of the time, I'm like, I'll, I'll either pay or click something so they get the money, because I just believe in that. But also, this one time, I'm like, I'm not even going to click it. Someone on White Sox Twitter took a screenshot of certain elements of the piece and there was that one that basically said that tlr deserves this uh it's the right thing to do blah 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 and i'm like this is the worst sentence and i don't know how a person could think that and he must be in the minority and anyone else who thinks that's definitely like a white Sox twitter troll yeah, I, you know, and like the thing is, is that uh, that that's one thing I will say that with the whole thing of White Sox Twitter being like a, a pretty big thing, you know, um, I don't I, I haven't noticed this as much with other uh, teams fan bases that there's such interaction between reporters and the play by play people and and just the general public. It seems to me that the White Sox Twitter whole thing is just a lot more immersive for everybody uh, that it makes things interesting. I will also say, though, is that you see things like uh, like 
you know, not necessarily Paul Sullivan because he's not a White Sox guy per se, um, but, you know, Steve Stone blocking people and, mm-hmm. you know, just th- things like that. And it does kind of, I don't know, seems it's just kind of weird, you know, it's just kind of a weird dynamic for an, for a fan base. Yeah. He's been hit his back and forth and uh, the things he's done this season have been also kind of goofy yeah. and the response that he's given. I, I remember I posted something on it and I just, I, I disagreed with something he said, but I, I do like the way, um, I mean, I follow a lot of different people in different teams, so I see a lot of how other um, fan bases interact. But I, I just don't like. For a while, I, I always liked and followed the White Sox. That was my team. But for a few years, I was helping out these guys doing Cubs stuff too, and I kind of had a following for them. And I saw their circle, but outside of Chicago. Maybe New York, but like you don't hear about Miami Marlins Twitter or teams like that, Kansas City Royals Twitter. Uh, it would be one thing if they were better, but even still, it's not the same way. You don't see their reporters, and uh, you even see players interact with like Danny Mendick and those guys would be pretty active amongst uh, interacting, doing their videos, and then commenting on people's tweets and liking them all the time. Yeah, it's it's definitely I would say it's definitely a unique dynamic between the franchise and its fans here for the White Sox. And I mean, you know, you say what, you know, give whatever reason you want that it is like that. I, I don't really have a particular reason why I think that that is, um, but it's definitely interesting, and I, I think it's uh, it's something that's it's kind of cool, but it is. I would say it's definitely weird. And if I was looking at it from the outside, from uh, a different fan base, I would be like, this is kind of bizarre. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, go ahead. Oh, I'm just saying it, it, bizarre. The, the, there's so many also like different, uh, groupings and inner groupings on, uh, white Sox Twitter. So some days I'll be popping on there and, I'll see someone maybe like subtweet or just discuss something and it's like such a big thing. But in that circle of uh, White Sox Twitter for the day and here I'm in this one, this one and that one for the day. And I had yet to cross anything that is remotely close to figuring out what they're even talking about. Yeah. I mean, you know, say what you want about, uh, about White Sox Twitter in general. There's, there, there is definitely some weird stuff going on out there and there's there's always something going on you know. nice variety a little bit of everything what's nice like you know you get you can get a lot of the same tweets obviously because you can only report a game so many different ways but a lot of these different circles have been able to bring like a different unique twist to each series players etc yeah i think that that's one thing that's pretty cool about the uh the white Sox, you know blogosphere or whatever you want to call it um that there is uh quite a few different uh cool content creators out there that are doing different things you know there's it's like not everybody is doing you know everybody yes 
covers the same thing, but there's so many different uh, viewpoints and angles and different ways to cover the team that it's pretty cool. New school to old school, stat heavy, player heavy, uh, their co-curriculars outside of the game from your from the front office to the players to even you have us and some of the other ones who take an even deeper dive at the farm systems. And that's, uh, I got to say, it's quite interesting because, as we said, I don't see that the same way for other teams. Yeah, I don't I, I don't quite see it uh, being quite as intense with a lot of the other teams. I, ha- I have looked around, you know, because I've been doing all those minor league highlights. I like to see what else is going on around baseball. And I know that there are a couple of other, you know, there are a couple of sites that do, uh, you know, teams, minor league things. But most of the time it's like, you know, one team, they usually cover one team or it's like, a it's, it's, um, you know, it's not like everything. It's just, um, you know, like a couple of highlights every day. And that's one thing that I think that, uh, is different is that, you know, basically put everything out there, you know, I mean, you know, I, not every play obviously, but, uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's a, you know, a top, you know, top 30 prospect or whether it's somebody that that's, you know, a relative unknown. I think that it's good to get names out there and get people to understand and see what's going on down there. And it's kind of cool. Uh, it's nice that there's, uh, a couple of, different sites, you know, with Future Sox and us, you know, it's a completely different type of coverage. And, uh, you know, but I still think that it, you know, both are viable and, and useful to, to fans. So it's kind of cool. Um, so if things continue with Miguel Cairo, uh, say, Let's let's make this difficult. Say they don't make the playoffs and they miss the playoffs by one game. Um, and TLR still having uh, health issues and he's not coming back. What happens with Miguel Cairo? Do they automatically make him the manager or do they do a proper managerial search? I, you know, I don't know everyone who's out there on the market, but I can, you know, we talk about it a lot in the past. They've been, you know, they've always kind of brought up the next guy in their system and hired within. If, if the team stays, like, even if they miss the playoffs, but the team hits and pitches as well as they have, I don't see how they don't bring them back. Yeah, as the man, I I thought about that, but at the same time, I know that Rick Hahn is you know assuming that the front office stays the same. Um, if it doesn't stay the same, then I think that they definitely go look elsewhere, or at least do a full a full search. But I kind of think that even if Rick Hahn stays put as the GM, that after what happened last time. And how he kind of got uh, bumped out of the way and uh, superseded. That he's going to want to go out there and try and find his guy. I mean, regardless of whether that ends up being Miguel Cairo or not, 
that he's at least going to want to go through and do some sort of a uh, interview process with a bunch of people before he makes a definite hire. Which I, I, I do see that and agree, but who's to say, even though obviously Tony Lewis has been in the back of mind at Jerry, who's to say Jerry doesn't overstep again with, <laughs> who knows who he who he wants or is in cahoots with but maybe yeah. he still has other people in mind that he's bringing bringing in yeah i know i could totally see him doing it again i i totally could and that's unfortunate i don't i would like to think that that's not uh that that's not a possibility but i i could see him doing it again however uh, at this point, I don't know if he would. I guess is my thinking. I, I I don't know if he would if he would go out of his way to uh, again try and push in some some guy who's his his friend. But you know, you never know. Um, yeah, I I couldn't. I I would hope that he would not do that. But you know, you never know. Always. An option. Stranger things have happened. I will say that. Um, <clears throat> so moving along, um, you know, one thing that I uh, that one thing that I looked at is that uh, so Elvis Andrus leaves Oakland, and I will say that if you uh, if you take the last couple weeks of uh, of his stuff in Oakland. And like, uh, you know, like say you were to take from, I don't know, August 1st or whatever to, to now, um, he only really gains 10 points in WRC plus. Uh, I think that he goes from like 130 to 140. He's got a 140 WRC plus with the White Sox in the last, you know, uh, three and a half weeks or whatever it is. Um, I kind of had the feeling that with him coming to the White Sox, and I think that there are obviously a, a bunch of factors into his uh, resurgence, if you will, um, that obviously, A, he's, he's excited that he gets to play on a competitive team. Um, also... Um, I think that one thing that is, that was definitely lacking in Oakland that he has here is there is protection in the lineup. You know, he is not, uh, surrounded by four guys hitting 200. At least, I mean, you know, he came after, after all that nonsense had already cleared itself out, uh, that they were finally starting to hit a little bit again. Um, but he doesn't have to be one of the main guys. And I think that it's, you know, it takes some pressure off of him here that it makes things a little bit easier. He's no longer the old guy in the locker room that's trying to uh, help out the, the younger guys and teach them what it's like to, uh, to play baseball. He just gets to go and play baseball. He doesn't have to do any babysitting. He just gets to go and play baseball. And, uh, you know, with Tim Anderson being out, he's got an everyday gig and he can just go out there and play ball. And I think that that's probably huge for him and probably quite a big reason why 
you see this resurgence in him because the last couple of years in Oakland had to have been draining, you know, because you know the team's not going anywhere despite the fact that they just got rid of, you know, Chapman and Olsen. But, I mean. Even still. Oh, Terry Francona and Phil Nevin tossed versus each other. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I, I got to say, watching him play for the White Sox after watching him play for so long uh, out west, um, you know, some of the speed is gone from his game, but the guy still plays a really solid shortstop. And um, it's nice to see competent defense out there. And even as far as Tim Anderson goes, um, better defender, you know, overall compared to Tim. Um, what do you think happens? And I know that this is not necessarily either or thing or that the fact that it might not even happen because we don't know if Tim's coming back for, you know, this year. Uh, we've heard that he's coming back like uh, I think the last week of September. Um, if they are three or four games, you know, or say say they're say they're a game and a half out, do you bring back TA knowing that he's probably going to need some time to get back into the swing of things? I don't so. Under Cairo, maybe not. I don't know how how it acts like look with them, but like he might get to be inserted right away. But maybe not in the same way. Maybe they won't toss him right away, adding first, leading off. Maybe there's a way to incorporate him. Maybe a couple late game at bats, uh, and then move him into starting. It's. I also don't want to mess with what's working. So if they're playing the same, I feel they don't want to just throw them in there and uh, mess what's working. Because I just keep thinking, like, if TLR's back and we're going to have Carlos Rodon 2.0 in the way he just gets thrown into a scenario that's not meant for him and does not, like, fails. Because we saw what happened when Carlos Rodon made his reappearance last year. So I want to bring something up and Grimtall asks in the chat, he says, why don't I miss TA? I probably should. Right? So this, this is one of my questions here. Um, now I know that, and, and you know, I, I generally don't, want to get involved in a player's personal life or anything like that. I, I more or less want to stick to what's on the field. However, um, clearly he was having some issues and it was affecting him. And you could see it in his overall vibe that it's not the normal Tim Anderson. And to me, when I looked at it from the outside you know, as you know, from a fan's perspective, I look at it. He does not look like the same guy. Seems like he was a lot more angry. Um, you know, him bumping the umpire or actually getting in, you know, the umpire's, you know, hat space, 
you know, his bill space with his helmet, you know, it, it just seemed like there was a lot of anger there. And clearly the dude was really, really stressed out. And I can only imagine looking at this from the outside. I know that when I have somebody that I work with or somebody that I have to be around, when there is a negative, we will say uh, for um, all the new age people, there is an aura about somebody. And when there is that negative energy that seems to be constantly following somebody around, it weighs on everybody. And to me, you know, I'm sure that, you know, as they are his friends, I'm sure, and, you know, that they've been teammates for a long time, that they're supportive of the guy. However, it to me, it looked like the, the vibe was an issue. You know, I... And it seemed like it was weighing down. It was definitely, it definitely followed him out to the field. Yeah, because I know he was injured during this process as well. But you saw how good he was playing at the beginning of the season, rightfully so. That's why he originally got voted as like a starter, even though that like most of June he was terrible. He was one of the best hitting shortstops that first month and a half, two months. And then that stuff kind of came out. He was injured. And it just never clicked after that. And he's got a lot of factors going. You have the the off-the-field stuff. And I'm sure this new... At some point, he's rather new to baseball. He picked it up late. And now suddenly he's supposed to be the main face of the White Sox. He's got a young family. He's got... The stuff on the side that's happening, that those allegations and stuff. And then yeah. you had uh, he, supposedly maybe the face of one of the faces of baseball. Those are a lot of factors to be thinking about while you're struggling on the field after being when you're when you were playing so good and you're at the top of your game. And that's who you think you should be in. That's where you've been. And now you've got this so many factors going at you. And you don't know how just to get back to it. So, I a little time may be good for him to be off. And I don't necessarily think he's done. Like, I, if he can figure out a way to let that resolve what needs to be resolved and come back, I think he can still be the player that he's been. Yeah, I don't, I don't uh, the, you know, Mentioned in the chat, it's a problem. Tan, not TLR. I would, I would definitely not go that far. Um, I would just say that it just seems like the energy that was coming off of him definitely didn't seem positive for uh, the last, you know, two months. I mean, it basically, he uh, basically since that since that whole thing came out, it was like he took like a giant nosedive and became a, a singles hitter. You know, yeah, I, he had he did not. There's no power. I want to say he maybe hit one home run, maybe. Yeah, I think that it was. I think it was one or two that he hit after that came out, and it was like two months. Um, Andrus has the same war as T A. Yeah, no, I, I'm not going to say that that's not true. And the thing is, is that you know I will say Andrus makes up uh, quite a bit of 
that on his defense. Uh, his defense has been really good since he's been with the White Sox. His uh, defense with Oakland was not as good uh, and not up to par with what he has done. And since he's come over to the White Sox, it seems like there's an extra little uh, giddy-up, you know, there that seems to be helping him, you know, you know, make the extra plays. And we've seen some really nice, really nice plays out of him. Um, and that, I will say, that is one difference uh, when I looked at the numbers and as far as what's been happening with the White Sox. Um, if you look at the team war from August 1st until now, they have a 5.8 war from August 1st until now. And it's 17.2 offensive war and negative 10.5 defensive war, which you know puts them at 5.8, which is ninth in, in Major League Baseball in that time period. They're... 17.2 war offensively is 7th, and their negative 10.5 is 27th. Now, since <clears throat> since August 30th, uh, the last two weeks, you know, more or less, uh, you know, more or less the last two weeks, is that their war is 3.2 in the last two weeks. So 3.2 out of that 5.8 is in the last two weeks. The thing that's changed is that they are 17.9 in offensive war, but their defensive war is negative 3.6. So that's a, you know, seven runs of that negative war was in the, you know, the month prior to right the last two weeks. So it seems like things have gotten at least a little better. Um, I know that that game uh, yesterday on Sunday certainly did not help their cause, uh, but you know, for the most part, it seems like the defense has risen a, a, a notch above what it was before, and obviously, we have seen more positive outcomes with less, uh, you know, less shooting themselves in the foot. So. Eesh. His Andres Andres's slugging percentage is ten points higher than Larry's OPS. Ugh. That is brutal. Um, just wanted to uh, point out a couple of things. Um, something that I found interesting. Uh, I was looking at numbers, and for whatever reason, for whatever arbitrary reason, I picked August first as just like a day to start looking at uh, splits and two guys that I noticed that I found very interesting were Gavin Sheets and AJ Pollock. And uh, the thing I found interesting about those said two individuals is their ISO, which is their slugging minus their batting average. Uh, Gavin Sheets has a 211 ISO since August 1st which is pretty stinking good. And uh, A.J. Pollock has a 190 ISO. Lots of extra base hits. And as you've noticed that since uh, 
Cairo took over managing, is Andrus has been leading off, and AJ Pollock's been hitting lower in the order, and he's been cleaning up a lot of that stuff. You know, those those guys that get left on base, he's been cleaning a lot of that stuff up with extra base hits. Uh, Andrus has done that a couple times as well when he came up. You know, in that uh, <clears throat> that big comeback on on uh, was that Friday night. Um, you know, some really nice clutch hitting, which is something that we hadn't seen at all. Um, and, you know, I guess that's what happens when you have uh, Lavery coming up in clutch situations a lot is that you're going to see some missed opportunities. Uh, but having Pollock and Elvis Andrus coming up in situations like this uh, definitely feels it's it's a lot more calming than seeing, you know, for instance, Leori um, coming up in a situation like that. And it seemed like it always, that situation always seemed to find him, no matter what. Whenever there was something important that was going to happen, there's Leori. So, the ground down. Ugh, yeah. Which is, you know, the ground into double play thing. That's, that's certainly been a factor this season. And, uh, one thing that uh, you could definitely, you know, despite the the loss of power from Jose, <clears throat> from Jose Abreu, you still see the uh, the ground into double play has been brutal. Yeah, even the White Sox lead in ground into double plays uh, this year. You know, that's a good question. I should look that up. Yeah, the point, though, that you brought up about those two guys, I did, like, you know how each day I kind of look at the boxers just to make up a tweet. Uh, I, I have enjoyed and likened, uh, taken a liking to the lineup construction. I'm seeing a lot of guys doing what we've always thought that we're going to do. Um, obviously, Eloise picked it up. Alec, who was this solid guy with the Dodgers doing a little bit of everything, had some pop, was able to drive and run, score a handful of runs. We're seeing that more and more. Um, and these guys are just hitting and hitting. And even I, I they, that 20 hit game, not the, not the, not the second one, but the first one, <laughs> uh, 10 extra base hits. Um, they hardly could get, Five extra base hits most of this year. So uh, it's been a pleasure to see for sure. Yeah, you know, I just the I, the just the vibe, the entire team. It just seems so much different now. And the I, I will say, like, just the over the last couple of weeks, I was getting to a point where the season was starting to slog on. You know, like I was just I was getting tired. Yeah. Let's put it. Let's put a bed to. Uh, let's put it to, put bed. It to let's, bed. Exactly. Let's move on. Let's, I, let's I was getting there. About- I was definitely getting there. You know, and the you and a lot of people in that same boat. Yeah, you know, it's just I, I feel uh, I feel a lot better. Just even watching watching a game now, like there 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 was. A time where I was just ready for this season to be over, and uh, it seems like things have definitely cleared up quite a bit. And you actually see comments, them having fun. 
Yeah, in the comments by the player, you they talked about that game. They were down in that ninth inning. And you talked about in those situations, you always see Larry Garcia or they just anyone else just doesn't answer to the moment. That game, they're losing 3-0 99% of the times. Mm-hmm. But this week it happened. They come, five unanswered runs, end up winning it. That's the kind of team that we thought they could be, and that's how they're playing right now. And we saw that no-quit baseball a little bit with these guys in uh, last year and in previous seasons. And if that's how they're going to play, they're going to they're gonna win a lot of baseball games. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what this is. I, I, I'm not saying that it's going to translate to any kind of playoff success if they if they get there. Uh, but what I'm saying is that what I am saying is that at least it's more enjoyable to watch. At least I can watch the game and not want to just hit my head on my coffee table, you know, every half inning and just wonder what the heck I'm doing with my life and why, why I'm sitting in front of my TV still watching this nonsense. You know, at least I feel that I can watch the game and not just want to turn it off. It's awesome. That's that's great. That I mean that realistically, you know, like yes, I would love for them to, you know, become a powerhouse and all that stuff and that would be great. But if they're going to, you know, continue on this road, at least don't be unenjoyable to watch and a team that I don't want to root for. You yeah, know? you, you got to think there's there's a lot of bad teams that at least find ways to make certain games fun and have a no-quit attitude. And then you got the teams that are just down the dumps, have no uh, no uh, personality, just... It's almost... Sometimes you get to the point, and that's where the White Sox, where it was like 9-to-5 shift, where they're, they're just coming in, just doing going through the what they have to do and then calling in night win or lose it was whatever to them and that's not the case right now yeah i mean that's kind of that's kind of how things seemed you know and it's like you could see the look on jose abreu's face at the end of games you know that he was just miserable and he didn't seem like he wanted to be there and i didn't blame him because i didn't want to be sitting in front of the tv watching it either you know so i can only imagine how much it's awful for him um as far as the uh, the grounded and double plays thing, I actually have, I'm actually kind of surprised. Uh, so they hit into uh, 0.79 double plays a game, which is very bad. Uh, they're 25th out, out of 30 teams. But what I did find out is that at 0.79, they're still 0.08 better than they were last year. They were 0.87 <laughs> double plays a game last year. So they've actually improved. So bravo, guys. Um, so that's good. I'm saying they made a slight improvement. Yeah. I mean, it's an improvement. I mean, uh, you know. It is. It's always so funny when there's those stats where these, te- these players and the team as a whole, they've – They've done so well in something, uh, or they've done so bad, and it changes the numbers like that. You know, it's I, it's that's but, this is exactly why you need analytics. Because I watch this team, and I watch I watch all the games, and I was, 
almost a hundred percent certain that this year they hit into more double plays than than they did last year. I look at the numbers. Not not true. I, the eye test did not work. I like. I don't know how people can say they number numbers in baseball and sports has always been around. It's just the way it's been applied and talked about that's changed. And there's definitely the space for both and make it cohesive. And I I always hate this corner of specific. I see it in basketball, but baseball too. Of these former players talking about these. Uh, never played number dudes. Don't know anything. Why are they putting these numbers into our sport? They they can they mean and do nothing for us. Yet they've looked their whole careers at analyzing the game. So I just don't get how they can say that the numbers don't help. And there's other ways to look at things than just your eyes. You know, I think that, you know, one of the arguments that always comes up is that, uh, you know, these guys never played baseball. They don't know what's going into this stuff. And Ozzie Gian, he does it all. I mean, he mentions it nightly on the postgame show, you know, about, you know, oh, well, let's see what the guy with the calculator says about this kind of stuff. And uh, night, Grimtall. Have a good night, man. Thanks for stopping in and hanging out. Um, you know, he mentions these things and. Like my whole thing is, is that a lot of these numbers have been around forever. I mean, yes, there are some new things like war. Um, is like you know, it's not necessarily that it's newer, but it's just it's it's more widely used these days as like a, some sort of a a measurement, and it's not even necessarily like a, a measurement. I can always root for the Dodgers. Yeah, no, I saw they clinched already. Yeah, that's cool. I like Trey Turner, so that's that's cool. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, we can always, of course we got, uh, Kimbrel to, to root for, um, you know, like the thing, you know, like I'll bring up OPS, which is on base percentage plus slugging. I mean, it is basic. These are both back of the baseball card stats. You know, and uh, if you bring up OPS and you you mention to you know some of these anti analytical analytical people, OPS, they lose their mind, you know, just because it's a number and they automatically just want to say, you know, that doesn't mean anything. But in you know in reality, it's just you know you just use different stats to place value on what somebody does. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I don't understand like the the whole <clears throat> argument between you know people that like stats and people that don't like stats because if you're watching baseball, stats are a thing and they've been a thing since you were a kid. You know, so you know if you like batting average and home runs and hits, okay, fine. But there are people who like to dig into things a little bit deeper. You know, and I think that that's. Uh, one of the things that uh, I like to do is that I like to look at the, the the bigger picture and not just pigeonhole somebody and say, oh, his batting average is 302. He must be awesome. And a lot of times, they, you know, you can say when you put value on something, it can make one thing more valuable than the other. But they, when people are talking, tweet about numbers and write about them, 
they're not fully discrediting um, different scenarios of ways of baseball players doing certain things because maybe what they do in this setting, the, the same type of defense setup or hitting, works there uh, and they like doing it. But maybe in this other moment, they switch it up. They're not saying you always got to do the same thing you've always been doing. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the the way I look at it is that um, it's just different ways to, to measure guys, you know, and different scenarios that you're taking these particular measurements from. That's That's it, you know, and I don't use one number to base any of this stuff on. You know, like I look at a bunch of different stuff. You know, I'll look at OPS for like a <clears throat> like a quick way to say, well, this guy's clearly doing something and you are undervaluing undervaluing him. Like that, you know, that that was like one of the big arguments with Yasmani Grandal last year was his OPS. You know, his OPS was great. His batting average was terrible, but his OPS was still really good. So there was clearly more value than these people that were saying that he was garbage and they should release him, you know, there was clearly a counter argument to that whole thing that was definitely showed some value. So I, yeah, the whole, that whole argument is, ugh, it gets, and it happened, it, you know, it happens a lot and it's, it's sad, you know, like, can't we just all get along? No, no, we cannot. Um, always going argue yeah so um moving along from the uh the white Sox, um the kannapolis cannonballers and winston-salem dash played their final games uh yesterday and the uh cannonballers won uh six to five i believe is it six to five i think it was six to five Winston-Salem Dash uh, swept a doubleheader and uh, had a nice walk-off celebration in the final game of the season, which was really awesome. Um, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, like, oh, well, you know, they, they ended their season, so let's do like a little uh, our little rap session about, uh, you know, the team leaders at the end of the year and, uh, you know, what we'll see out of these guys next year. Uh, the There is a problem here, though with doing that is that let me see here uh, other than one guy out of both lists for both of these teams everybody else is in Birmingham everybody so uh, these 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 uh, little factoids that I've got here uh, so for the cannonballers um, which is cool uh, for the Cannonballers is that uh, Colby Smelly, uh, uh, Wilfred Veras, and DJ Gladney finished 13-14-15 in OPS in the Carolina League uh, with 774, 773, and 759. And West Cath came up at 21st with a 740. Um and Kannapolis was fourth in home runs this year, which explains some things. There was a lot of excitement down there. There's a lot of home runs being hit down there, which was awesome. A definite change from last year. Um, 
you know, where there there were some home runs, but overall, not so much. Um, but the thing is, is that I can't really talk about that so much because uh, Colby Smelly's now in Winston, you know, got bumped up to Winston-Salem, so he was gone from there. And, uh, you know, once they brought all the all the draft signings in, you know, Troy Clonch was playing catcher a lot. Um, and actually, uh, one of the cannonballers, Nick Thornquist, a catcher that was there this year, uh, just voluntarily retired the other day. Um, but, uh, yeah, Varus, Gladney, and Westcath, all in Birmingham. Uh, so I moved to the Dash. And... Um, Duke Ellis led the 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 uh, Southern Atlantic League in stolen bases with fifty stolen bases with the dash, which is amazing, and uh, so much fun to watch that guy play baseball. Um, he's in Birmingham, where I believe he's got six stolen bases now with Birmingham, which is awesome. Um, at Tyler Osick, he's also in Birmingham, 7th in OPS in the Southern Atlantic League. Luis Mieses, also in Birmingham, led the league in doubles, had 34 doubles this year, which, you know, if you've seen the field at Winston-Salem, there's that little cutout and the low wall in right field, and he's left-handed, so that certainly did help things a little bit. Um, But, you know, he hasn't been in Winston-Salem for the final two weeks of the season there. And he's still leading by, I think, four or five doubles. So, um, you know, I mean, uh, he had a 167 ISO this year, cut way down on his strikeouts this year, became a much, much more well-rounded baseball player, and the power, you know, has certainly started to come out of his bat, as you've seen as he's, you know, when he's been in Birmingham, he's been scorching the ball pretty well as well. Um, so that's the unfortunate thing is that with both of those teams, all of the uh, higher ranked prospects all went to Project Birmingham. So, but the great thing is, is that we still got another week of Barons baseball because they're they've got an away series and this is their uh, this is their final week. They're playing the. Uh, Rocket City Trash Pandas, but they're playing uh, at, you know, at as a visitor. So, um, and then the Knights, they have a few more weeks left. So, I don't know. It's uh, kind of, you know, it's been a long, long season, and uh, it's time for instructionals to start kicking up here pretty soon. So, uh, looking forward to seeing what happens with these guys for their assignments for next year. But, you know, finally get to take a break from all these, uh, all these highlight clipping sessions every day. So that's kind of nice. That was, that was a, a lot of work you did for that. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, and I enjoy it, you know, but I mean, after a while it, it starts to wear on you. You know, the wife was, the wife's been ready for me to, uh, knock that off since, you? you know, like July. <laughs> so I think I call this one a little bit early this week. You know, be nice to uh, be able to get some sleep. I got a golf outing tomorrow. How do you like that? 
off and where you ha- where you're headed. I don't know, somewhere in like uh, Northbrook or something. I think it's Northbrook. I'd have to look at the uh, thing. It's a it's a work thing. Um, so I don't know. I haven't been golfing in way too you long. Practice, and, uh, you practice your handshakes. Yeah, that's pretty much business. about it. Yeah, it's it's business thing. So we'll see we'll see how it goes tomorrow. Um, I'll probably uh, have eight good holes, and then I'll be bad for ten. And the eight good ones won't be that good. They'll be okay. So I don't know. It'll be it'll be fun. Hopefully it uh, hopefully it doesn't rain too bad tomorrow, and it's not cold and windy. That's the only thing that I'll ask for. Is that if if I'm gonna be bad at golf, at least it could be nice outside. That's you know, it's not asking much. I you know I uh, I know better than to ask for ask for anything because I'm pretty you know like I just don't play golf enough to uh, expect myself to be any good at it. So I'm I'm willing to accept that I am a bad golfer, and that is fine. But uh, I'll go and enjoy myself out on the course. And, uh, you know, they say uh, any day on a golf course is better than a day at work. So yeah. I'll take it. What you got going yeah, on for this week? Anything good? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us, tell us what yeah. you're doing tomorrow or uh, Wednesday. Day. Tomorrow. That would be true, too. I'm returning to Guaranteed Right Field. Um, I knew that the only way they're going to win some home games is if I return. So hopefully they win. Uh, I'm going to see a uh, one o'clock Wednesday game against the Rockies. A nice little promo they had going on. A thirteen dollar ticket. You get a mystery bobblehead, which I can only assume is oh. the leftovers from previous games. Which it's I not only have be the one, Paul Canerco so. one. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So. Uh, Exciting to see which one I get. Either way, I can easily just trade it or whatever. But it's been so long. It's supposed to be nice weather, so I'm hoping it stays that way and get a White Sox winner. I think I someone said it Cease might be on the mound that day. I'm not sure, but mm, a, I haven't looked. Day actually. at the baseball and day at the ballpark is always a good day. So yeah, agreed. Can't come. Uh, here's, here's hoping you don't get a Ronald Belisario bobblehead or something. Yeah, that would be a random one. <laughs> that would be but I, I was, unfortunate. I didn't pass it up. I was like, $13? That's, that seems fair. That seems fair. <laughs> I don't know. $13? They pay me $13 to take a Ronald Belisario bobblehead. All right, so let's see. I, got- I, I, I own like five Roger Bozards one. Hard to get rid of those ones, let me tell you. You know, that doesn't surprise me that, uh, you know, and like, I'll, you know, yes, he is, uh, he is the pitcher 210 start Eastern time. So 110 start for that game on Wednesday and Dylan Cease is on the mound versus Kyle Freeland. So you'll have a, uh, you know, fairly decent uh, pitching matchup there. That's spray a bunch of hits across all of guaranteed right field and their decks and then a nice size cease performance that blows out the afternoon that's all i all i ask a big ask but it's what i deserve where are you sitting uh 500 level i it's been a while since i 
sat up there. Mm, so nothing um, but foul balls up by you. That's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, five five twenty two. Uh, hopefully, I get lucky and get a foul ball though. It's it, the last one that came my way. I'm, even though I'm older, uh, even older person ripped it out of my hands. Uh, <laughs> most aggressive thing I've ever seen awesome. in a game. I was like, you know, sir, just go ahead and have it. I, I didn't even want it that much. Yeah. What are you going to do, you know? These uh, these people, they get crazy over there, you know? They get a couple uh, couple two-tree in them and then uh, start uh, assaulting people. I mean, I've seen uh, Zach Hample over there stepping on babies to get baseballs if they're a home run ball. This guy must have taken the page out of Zach Hample's book because he <laughs> went over his own son the kid was crying, and I was like, you know what? Just take the ball. Give it to that kid. He better get the ball after all of this. Speaking of, did you happen to catch that that uh, quote-unquote undercover White Sox fan at the uh, caught that home run ball, the first home run ball the other day, and was apparently holding it ransom? Did you Did you see that? I did see that. That was really weird. Like, he... he it's a guy that definitely wanted attention for something that yeah. shouldn't have been on him. Um, a weird scenario because he was wearing, I want to say he had a raised he, jersey. Yeah, it was raised a hat and jersey shirt. on. He like made a point to show the White Sox shirt underneath. So I guess he's a White Sox fan. Uh, but the people who make things about themselves, like you mentioned Zach Campbell, when as dislikable as people say A-Rod is, uh, when Zach Campbell caught A-Rod's 3,000th hit home run, he tried to make that about him more than A-Rod doing this crazy baseball feat. And similar to this guy for this first home run ball. Like, come on. Yeah. I don't know, though. You know, if you get something like that and you've got some bargaining power, hey, get more, you know, get what you can, I guess, uh, and, if you've got something the thing, particular. they A lot of these players are more than happy to just sign a couple balls, a bat, whatever, and, like, varying who it is or whatnot, you can get a higher asking price. But to make it such a long, drawn-out thing, which both that A-Rod hit was and then... Uh, that Pirates, or whatever the guy, the Rays fan was, uh, he made he made it kind of a bigger, bigger deal than it needed to be. Yeah, there was that one against the White Sox uh, where that guy on the Astros hit his first home run. Uh, what was his name? Uh, something with an M. Mosowitz Mas- something. I-, I can't remember what his name was. Um but uh, they had the, uh, you know, that kid that was on TV. It was a national game, White Sox against the Astros. And they just kept on talking to this kid. They're talking about this kid, you know, about what he was going to ask for uh, for the yeah, baseball. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and that it was season. just painful to watch. And then you have guys like Albert Pujols the other night. He hits, he passes A-Rod 797, um, the girl who caught it said that she lost someone uh a year ago she wa- she knew that her friend or family member would have wanted me t- the girl to turn over the ball to albert uh, as soon as possible and not make a big deal about it 
here, Albert responds with, no, you keep the ball, and I'm going to sign two more baseballs, and you can have all of all three of them now. And this is number 697, passes A-Rod, puts him at, I think, fourth place. Yeah. Uh, much higher uh, v- value baseball, and that's how Albert went about it, and these other people went about it. Uh, uh, both a rarity. Yeah, cue the good guy Albert memes. I'm sure that it'll probably be a meme at some point. Um, yeah, so uh, go ahead and call it for the night. It's 1024. Good time to call it as any. Um, got a couple more weeks of uh, minor league baseball. Got uh, hopefully many, many moons of White Sox baseball to come. But uh, we'll see how things go uh, You know, over the next couple weeks here we'll see if the white Sox can gain ground on the guardians because that you know the twins did them absolutely no favors this week thanks a lot guys um so we'll see what happens here coming up and uh hopefully white Sox can make up some ground here um at daily white Sox on twitter um white Sox daily.substack.com is the site where you can find some nice articles um Hasn't been a whole lot as of late, but, uh, you know, as the offseason kicks off, you know, I'm sure that there'll probably be a little bit more opinion pieces and such. Um, at Iaskridge on Twitter, at Xavier underscore Sanchez4 on Twitter. Uh, my name is Ian Eskridge. For my co-host, Xavier Sanchez, you've been watching White Sox Daily Live. We appreciate you guys coming and hanging out in the chat, and... Uh, We'll see you guys next week at 9 p.m. on Monday. Thanks. Have a great night.